This is the account in the book of Numbers where Korah, Dathan, and Abiram stand up against Aaron and desire the position that he has as high priest for themselves. And after God has revealed his word concerning that, we pick up in verse 21 with the discipline and the punishment that is coming upon the people. Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. That is God speaking to Moses and Aaron. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of their hearts, of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belong to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. The censers of these men who sinned against their own souls Let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar, because they presented them before the Lord. Therefore, they are holy, and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So Eliezer the priest took the bronze censers with those who were burned up, had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel, that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companions just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation, and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded 
and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague had stopped. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord our God, your people have gathered that we might hear the voice of the living God. We ask now this morning that you would cause the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are to go to New England and you are to go to the state of New Hampshire, you might quickly observe that there's a mountain range there and it's called the White Mountains. And the tallest mountain in that range happens to be the tallest mountain in New England. It's Mount Washington, famous for its cold temperatures and variability in climate very quickly. And there are numerous trails that you can take on a nice summer day to climb to the top of that mountain. And there is one trail in particular that as you climb from the base all the way up, you end up in the trees for some time, and then every once in a while you come into clearings, not unlike other trails that you might go on in other places. But on this mountain or on this particular trail, as you come to certain clearings, every once in a while when you come there, you can look up and you can see clearly the summit of Mount Washington that you're looking to reach. And as you go back into the trees, wondering how long it is, another clearing comes and shows you that you're a little bit closer to the summit. We have something like this in the scriptures, where in the Old Testament, as we are making our way to the summit of all history, to the culmination of all things, to the incarnation of Jesus Christ himself, God gives us glimpses to the glory of Christ and his salvation along the way. We have one of those before us today. One of the great pictures of the Old Testament in regards to the person and the work of Jesus Christ who offered himself an atoning sacrifice for the sins of many. It comes to us in a time of utter turmoil for Israel. The Israelites, you remember, they they left Egypt. They were delivered by God's powerful and mighty hand over the Egyptians. They crossed the Red Sea on dry land. So much so that as they turned back, the Lord then did another miracle. He drowned the whole Egyptian army that tried to cross behind. And when they came to the promised land that God had promised to them, they were afraid. They did not trust the Lord, but they complained about the giants and the many people. And you remember God said, you shall not go in, but you'll wander in the wilderness 40 years. And when we come to number 16, we're in that wandering period. Different people have speculated how long into the 40 years. I'm not interested in speculating about that, but it's in the 40 years. And we don't have much history of those 40 years compared to the time period that it covered, but we do have some history. And as the history comes, we see the people rebelling against the Lord or grumbling against Moses and Aaron. 
And that's exactly what happens in number 16 with the, the case of Korah, a Levite, and Dathan and Abiram, who are not even of the tribe of Levi, they're Reubenites. And they looked at Aaron, the high priest, and they said, it's not good that Aaron's the high priest. We're all priests. We all should be high priests. We all should be able to offer things before the Lord. Well, Aaron had not made himself high priest. God had made Aaron high priest. The people were not complaining against Aaron. They were complaining against God. They were complaining against the Lord. The severity of the judgment that comes upon them that we read of in this chapter is not really anything to do with Aaron and Moses. Everything to do with what the people are saying to the Lord. God has spoken and they're saying what God has spoken isn't good. What God has said we won't do. And so they say, let us do what Aaron does and bring incense before the Lord. Well, the account was laid before us. They were able to gather 250 princes of Israel behind them, men of strength and renown in Israel, who would go and have the audacity to offer incense before the Lord when they were not called to do so. And there were the ringleaders, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram standing outside their tents. And Moses and Aaron come and say, look, people, separate yourselves from them, for God is going to do a new thing that never before you saw. God is going to cause the ground to open and swallow them up. And if that doesn't happen and they die a natural death, then I am not sent from God. Well, the ground opens immediately after Moses speaks. and swallows up Korah, Dathan, Abiram, their wives, their children, old and young, their tents, and closes behind them. They're swallowed up alive. Then the fire of the Lord comes down right in front of the tabernacle where the 250 were gathered with their incense and consumes them completely. And the people, as they see this, this great congregation of Israel, numbering probably in excess of 2 million people gathered there in the wilderness, the people run away in terror and fear, lest the fire come upon them. And the day comes to a close. The people go to their beds. And in the morning, they do not rise up in repentance and sorrow. But they rise up to say this in verse 41. Moses and Aaron, you have killed the people of the Lord. The first thing that we see in this portion of Scripture is the utter madness of sin. The utter madness of breaking God's law and rebelling against the God of the Word. In front of the whole congregation, these things happened to Korah, Dathan, and Byram. They saw them with their own eyes. They saw all the great things the Lord had done. They heard His voice and the thunderings on Sinai. They had appearances even on their own bodies of the kindness and grace and mercy of God. They were wearing clothes that had not worn out, sandals that had not worn thin. They were eating food that they didn't make or, or even have to go provide for, but God caused it to come down from heaven. And they looked out at Moses and Aaron and said, you killed Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and the 250. And with that statement... The wrath of God goes out on a people. Look at the irrationality of sin, where it, it led these people. They saw with their own eyes the ground opened, and yet they accused not God who can alone open the ground and close it. They accused 
Moses and Aaron, now well into their hundreds. You killed them. How irrational is sin in the sinful man. But think also of the deceitfulness of sin. They exchanged the truth that was that God in His justice and and His wrath against sin and sinners, He is the one that disciplined them and punished them in front of the whole congregation. And here they're, they're exchanging that truth for the lie that Moses and Aaron did it. God warns about exchanging lies for truth and truth for lies, ascribing God's work to man or man's work to God. Here they ascribed the work of God to sinners like Moses and Aaron. Sin is deceitful. It makes us think that what we believe is true and we deny and reject the very word of God that is right before our eyes at our fingertips. It's a spiritual thing. Sin is very spiritual. It's not merely a physical thing. The Lord Jesus, he said, it's not what what goes into a man that corrupts him, but it's what comes out of him. For from the heart, from the heart comes all manner of sin and deceit. And here are the people, the whole congregation, from their hearts were complaining against God. Sin is very spiritual. It gets to the heart of man. And sin is very deadly. It was seen the day before with Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and the 250. It's going to be seen on the day of our text because the wrath of God is going to go out and 14,700 are going to die, not for any injustice, but for their sin, for the rebellion against the Lord. It's deadly. The wrath, the Scripture says, the wrath has gone out. And sin is something else. Sin is universal. Everyone by ordinary generation fell in Adam, sinned and died in their trespasses. And so all men are dead and under the wrath of God because of their sin and unbelief. Don't we see something of ourselves in these sinners who could, if you're like me, hear God's glorious word on the Lord's day and maybe that very afternoon or the next day break that word that I just heard. Call to obedience and holiness with the righteous law of God in the morning and in the afternoon, speaking harshly to my wife. How quickly we can hear the word of God and rebel against it. Oh, wretched men that we are, who can deliver us from the bondage of this death? Don't we see this in the world, even as the Wall Street Journal reported this week of the crisis with drugs in Portland All these mission groups trying to go and help people who are overdosing on drug after drug after drug. And they're lamenting and saying, we're able to to administer Narcan and deliver someone who's on the way to dying. And, And they leave our mission. 20 minutes later, they've overdosed and died of fentanyl. How quickly we return to sin over and over and over. And maybe for a minute, we regret it. But after the regret fades... We go right back to it because sin is deceitful. Sin looks so beautiful. It looks like that adulterous woman in the book of Proverbs whose lips drip with honey. And we say, yes, I must follow her. It's so sweet. Do you not know that the end of sin is destruction? The end of following the world and its ways in your own flesh is death. Even like these 250 faced in the wilderness in number 16. The very next day, the people raised their fist up against God 
and against his appointed. Thanks be to God that he has not left sinners in that estate of misery to which we rightly deserve to go and to be left in. But God does something glorious as is pictured here by Aaron. And that brings us to our second heading, and that is that the high priest goes to sinners. Now, there are some things in Scripture, especially the Old Testament as you read it, where it's difficult to see how that element of Scripture applies in the New Testament. Or if it's a type, what's the anti-type in the New Testament? Sometimes those things are difficult. In our text today, it's not very difficult. Aaron is the high priest of Israel. Jesus Christ is the high priest of his people. Our brother read from Hebrews chapter 10 a few minutes ago. Jesus Christ, the high priest who offered once and for all for the sins of his people. Aaron is a representative of the Lord in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. He is the high priest who makes offerings for the people. He is the one who represents the people before the living God. He alone can go behind that curtain one time a year on the Day of Atonement and make an atoning sacrifice for his own sins and then the sins of others. So as we come to this portion of Scripture, it's not difficult to see what are we being taught of Christ our Savior. For Jesus said, he's the high priest. And he's a greater high priest than Aaron. Because Aaron's dead and Jesus is alive. Aaron offered many times and Jesus offered once. But I want us to see first here that the high priest goes to sinners. Think about this picture. Aaron and Moses outside the tabernacle and two million people rise up against them. Two million people. What a fearful and terrible thing it would be. Maybe some of you have been mobbed by fewer than that or you've been mugged or faced some sort of violence where people came against you and you might remember what a fearful and terrible thing it was. None of you, I don't think, have ever had two million people angry, furious with you, accusing you of murder. But that's exactly what happened to Moses and Aaron that day. And what did they do? Did they run away? Did they hide in the tabernacle where nobody would dare come because the glory of the God rested there? No, no. The plague had gone out. The wrath of God justly was on his people. And Moses said to Aaron, Aaron, go quickly to the people lest they perish. Take the incense and make an atoning sacrifice among the people lest they perish. And Aaron, the high priest, he's probably well over 100 years old at this time. He runs to the people. He runs to those that are rebelling against him and against his God. He runs to them quickly. The scripture says it. Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. Not one person in the assembly asked for him to come. All were either dead or dying. And Aaron went to them with the atoning sacrifice. The high priest went to the sinners. God, in his mercy, long ago in Genesis 3 and verse 15, he promised a savior for sinners. And in the fullness of time, God fulfilled the promise by Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. He fulfilled the promise in Jesus living a perfect life. He fulfilled the promise in Jesus dying a perfect yet shameful and cursed death. 
offering himself as the perfect sacrifice. Do you see from the promise to the fulfillment to the deliverance, it is God that has done it all. No men were there saying, yes, Lord, please come and help us. I'm dying. God went to sinners. The Father sent the Son into the world. The Son came into the world so that a people perishing might not perish but have everlasting life. They wanted to kill Aaron. They did kill the Lord Jesus. And yet Jesus went to them knowing full well his end and his fate that he would certainly die, but for the joy of salvation that was set before him, he went to that cross that he might be there for his people, a sacrifice that they might live when yet they were dying. I have a question for you by way of application, and that is, do you go to the perishing? Do you go among the dying? I think I saw on your website the great desire of this church to be evangelizing the lost all around coming. I praise God for that. Do you go among them? Nobody's asking. Your neighbor hasn't come knocking on the door saying, can you give me a hope for the, for the joy that's within you? Maybe that hasn't happened in some time. Do you go to them? The person across the street, I don't know if there's homes across from here or not. I didn't look this morning. But does the church go to the neighborhoods around? Yet they're not asking. They're still dying. Will you not run to them with the only way of salvation through Jesus Christ the Lord? Moses and Aaron in their old age, they went to the people that were perishing. Jesus came to a dead people to make us alive. The high priest goes to sinners. But our next heading, the high priest does more than that. The high priest stands among sinners, but let's put it this way. The high priest stands between sinners and the living God. The high priest is a mediator, one who comes between parties that are at war. God is at war with the sinful people, just war. For his wrath is just, they've sinned, and the only wages of sin is death. And in between God and his just wrath, here comes the high priest. The mediator to stand between the living and the dead. To bear the wrath of God on himself that all who look to him might live. The priest went between sinners and God as a mediator. You might remember some of the accounts of Martin Luther before he was converted. How he longed to be justified. The only thing in his life he wanted was to be just in the sight of God. But everything that he read from the Latin Vulgate and from the different writers in the Roman Catholic religion was about how he had to justify himself. He had to stand before the living God and bear the wrath of God and and pay for it himself ultimately. So he beat his body till his back was bloodied. His knees were sore from kneeling His eyes were droopy from lack of sleep. His friends were weary from hearing his confessions. And yet, he never got peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. Until that day that he opened up the original language and he read from Romans that the just shall live by faith. Those that are made just by God shall live by faith. There is another who justifies. 
And just like that, as he saw that it wasn't him who must justify himself, the chains fell off. His bonds were free. He was able to rise, go forth, and follow the Lord. And we are all recipients of that, even as we sit and stand here today. The high priest comes between God and sinners. It was that darkest of days in all of Israel's history when Ezekiel the prophet was prophesying and all the sins of Israel were coming to bear. And there is in that latter portion of Ezekiel one of the most distressing, soul-searching portions of Scripture where Ezekiel the prophet says, The Lord looked out on wayward Israel and he saw that there was a wall and there was a gap in the wall between the just wrath of God and sinful Israel. And God looked for a man to stand in the gap and there was none. And the fury and the wrath of God went against Israel and into captivity they went for there was none to stand in the gap. But here in number 16, there is one to stand in the gap, a high priest named Aaron representing the great high priest Jesus Christ pointing forward to people that there is one who can stand for you and only one, one who can bear the wrath of God poured out and it is Jesus Christ, the high priest. He stands in the gap for his people. As the wrath of God is upon me, Jesus Christ hung on the cross and the wrath of God was poured out against him. What a mediator. What a savior. What wondrous love is that? There's no greater love than that. A man might might give his life for his friend. But Jesus, while we were yet sinners, he died for the ungodly. What love from the high priest who stands before sinners. Does Christ stand as your mediator today? Is he standing for you like he stood for Stephen? As Stephen confessed his name, Jesus stood and confessed Stephen. Is he standing for you saying, this one is mine? This one has my name written on his hand. This one is clothed in the righteousness of God. Is Christ Jesus standing for you? No one should leave this place and certainly not go to sleep tonight if they know not the answer. If Jesus is not standing for you today as your mediator and high priest, you're perishing, you have nothing. But if you have confessed your sins and are trusting this day on Jesus Christ alone, you have everything. Though you might be poor in this world, you are rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. For eternal life cannot be purchased, but it can be freely given to the Lord. Does he stand as your mediator. But there's something else that the high priest does that we see here. He not only goes to sinners, he not only stands among sinners, but the high priest pays for sinners. He pays for the sins of his people, or as the scripture tells us in the text, he makes atonement for sinners. Atonement. What is that? What is atonement? What is this thing that is talked about in these verses here? Atonement has various elements to it, but what we see first is that as the mediator goes to the people, as the high priest goes to the people, he goes and he stands in their place. The atonement is substitutionary. 
One is substituted for another. As Jesus Christ came to sinners and hung on the cross, he didn't hang for himself. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, perfect in every word, in every deed, tempted, yes, yet without sin. He didn't hang on the tree for himself. He hung on the tree for his children. He stood in their place. But as the high priest went and offered the incense, as Jesus Christ, the great high priest, offered his own blood, dripping from his head, his hands, his feet, as he suffered and gave up the last and died, he was doing so to make payment. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. With the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is remission of sins. And Jesus shed his blood that the sins of all his children, the many sons that he brings to glory, might be paid for. There's so many false gospels out there that talk about the love of God and God is love. But they stop at the love of God and and sinners go away not knowing what they're supposed to do as sinners because they still have the guilt and the burden and the weight and the curse of sin upon them and they feel themselves sinking to the bottom of the grave and to hell itself. But Jesus did so much more than love. He showed his love. He carried out his love in this way that he bore the wrath of God, the curse of God on himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we who only know sin might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus Christ became a curse for sinners like us. A penalty was paid in the atonement. And it was a penalty paid for us. Aaron offered up smoke and incense and the Lord accepted it. It It wasn't sufficient for eternal life. It was sufficient for this issue. All those people in the wilderness ended up dying. Some would be bitten five chapters later by serpents and die. Others would die in the rebellion that Balaam was involved in with the Moabites. They would die. The incense wasn't going to save them forever. Christ offered up that one sacrifice that is able to save to the uttermost all who come to him by faith because he ever lives to make intercession for us. His blood. His blood was poured out. That alone was the payment that was acceptable to God once and for all for the full satisfaction of sinners. Children, I think about it this way. Sometimes, I know when I was a child, things like atonement, they seemed like doctrines that only my parents could understand. But think about it this way. Think about if you boys, maybe some of the girls too, like to play baseball or softball. And if you live in a neighborhood like mine where the neighbor's house is very close and the windows are within an arm's throw, thinking about taking a baseball and throwing it and it goes through your neighbor's window and you break it. You've created a debt with your neighbor. You owe them a window because you broke it. You need to replace it. They're going to be angry probably with you if they're not Christian neighbors in general. They might be angry. What are you going to do? No money, no windows. I don't imagine any of you children got windows for Christmas. But now your father and your mother... They come with you, and they go to the neighbor's house, and they ask, how much was that window? And the neighbor says, it's $1,000. It's an expensive window. And your father and your mother take out their checkbook, and they write on it $1,000, and they give it to your neighbor. The debt is satisfied. 
The wrath is gone. There's nothing else to be paid by you. If your neighbor is upset at you and comes to you, little children, and he says, you still owe me $1,000, your neighbor's unjust. And our God is not unjust. When the penalty is paid to the Father by the Son and His blood, it's paid to the uttermost. That's what the atonement is. The payment and satisfaction of the debt that we have to God made and paid by Jesus Christ on the cross with His own blood. The high priest makes payment for sinners. What grace. What love. What mercy is given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many, many, they come like they did in Jesus' day. So they do even this morning in some churches. I hope none here. But some go to churches on Sunday because they want to they gaze at the beauty of the Lord, which is good, and they should be gazing at the beauty of the Lord. They want to hear those great doctrines of the Scripture. They want to sing those great hymns because it makes them feel good. And I hope it does make people feel good. But they're always looking And they're never taking hold of Christ by faith. They're always gazing. And they're never giving up all the world that they might have that precious pearl of great price as theirs. They're always beholding the narrow gate. But they're never coming into the narrow gate. As you behold these things of the Lord, consider this fourth thing today. The high priest calls to sinners. He calls, even with His glory, His mercy, His grace, His love, all shown before you. And He says, stop gazing. Stop looking. Come unto Me, you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you. It's easy. Take My burden. It's light. Come to Me. Nail in this hour and day of salvation. Come, and your soul shall live. Hear the Word of God, but, but don't merely hear. Blessed are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Our Savior said, Come now to the Lord. There is no difference whether you're a young child or someone who is much older in life. The call of the Lord is the same. Just like there was no difference in Israel with 2 million people, 14,700 died before Aaron could get there with the incense. Old and young. Man and woman, wise and unwise, prince and servant, died in that play. As open as that judgment was, so open, if we can put it this way, is the call of the Lord to the same group. Whosoever believes on the name of the Son of God shall not perish but have everlasting life. What a promise. You don't think you have enough wisdom? God says, whoever believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, He calls you today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Repent, therefore, and believe the gospel of the Lord. Enter into that gate. For the Lord asks that question as came upon so many. It's, it's one of, they're, they're given to us as examples, I think, for sure, in Scripture of these different people and different groups and even whole cities that hear the word of the Lord and and they reject it. So that as we hear the word of the Lord, we might not be like them and reject it. Remember King Agrippa towards the end of Acts, as Paul is telling him the gospel, as you're hearing the gospel today, so Paul was telling it to him. I'm sure he was doing it in a much better way, but it wasn't a better gospel. 
You're hearing the great gospel today. Salvation by Christ alone. Salvation by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ who shed his blood alone. And as King Agrippa heard that, he said, you've almost convinced me, Paul. You've almost convinced me to be a Christian. And Paul said, oh, that you would be a Christian and and like me in every way except for these bonds. But King Agrippa didn't become a Christian that we know of in that text. He sent Paul away. And it didn't hear him again. Judas, for three years, he walked with the Lord. He saw the miracles. He heard the preaching. Life was, was manifested in front of him for three years. And he betrayed him and died and perished. You remember those, those gatherings, that city, where there was the man who was possessed with the devil. And the devil said we are, his name was Legion because they were many. And after Jesus cast out the demon and the demon went into the the pigs and the pigs went into the water, the people from the land of the Gadarenes came out and they saw all that had happened. And rather than bowing down and worshiping Jesus and saying, have mercy on me, thou son of David, they said, depart from us. Get out of our land. The king of glory right there in front of them. Eternal life right there in the flesh. And they wanted nothing to do with him. Don't die, beloved, when life is freely offered to you in the Lord. Don't perish when you have been, by God's grace, brought into a church today that reads and believes and promotes the pure word of life. Don't think lightly of it like others have. Value it. Make it your highest joy, your greatest treasure, and live for Christ, calling others to faith in the triune God. So I ask today, where are you? Where are you before the Lord? I see you here today. I have much hope that every single one of you is on the way to glory. And yet I also remember, as many preachers have said before, that in the kingdom of heaven there were ten virgins, and only five were wise, and five were foolish. And so I ask you this day, as you hear God's word, as Moses asked at the end of Deuteronomy, choose you this day whom you will serve. Life and death are presented before you. There was the plague. There were the dead and the dying. Here before you is life and death. There is hell and destruction. For those that do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he says they're they're condemned already. But Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Here is life and here is death. Here is good and here is evil. Here is heaven and here is hell. And in the middle is Christ. Christ stands between the living and the dead. And he calls to you, don't perish today. Come now to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't die. Why would you die when life is freely offered? Why would you take the perishing when the eternal things are forever blessed and promised in the Lord Jesus Christ? This is what the Lord is showing you as Aaron the high priest stands before the living and the dead. That he stands between the living and the dead. And he stands there today calling to the dead and the dying, live, live, live. Do not perish. Do not perish. Here's a clearing for us in this great mountain of Scripture where the Gospel comes to us in full color. The gospel's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. The gospel is a person. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the gospel is what that person did. He stood between sinners 
having gone to them of his own free will. He stood there and he offered himself a sacrifice that everyone that believes on him might not perish but have everlasting life. And today, he who died on that cross years ago rose the third day. He lives today and forevermore. He's in heaven right now making intercession. And from heaven, through his word and spirit, he calls to you. He calls to you. He calls to me. How long will us simple ones live in our simplicity and fools hate knowledge? Turn now at the Lord's call. What a gracious call. What a blessed call. Turn now and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For as the scripture says... Aaron stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Jesus stands before the dead and the living. The wrath, the just wrath of God is stopped, and everyone who believes in him will one day be gathered together in his glorious throne. Press on to that great day. Keep that vision glorious always before your eyes and in your prayers that there would be every one in these pews, in these chairs today, your neighbors and your loved ones, that God would bring them all up to his glorious throne, that where we've been brought up in spirit, one day we'll be brought up in soul and body together before the throne of God. Pray for that, that many more sons would be brought to glory. And go, go into the dying world. Tell them the way of salvation, that all might hear and believe on Jesus Christ and be saved. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we praise and bless your holy name. For you are a great and merciful God. Your mercy is beyond our comprehension. We are unmerciful, like that man who was owed a few pennies. But we owe you 10,000 talents and can never repay. But you sent your son to pay for us. We do not fully grasp this so mired in in the muck and mud of this world. Oh, but we believe it and we hold fast to it and we stand and take our stand on the rock that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us not to come off. We plead with you today that if there are any gathered this morning who have not put their trust in the Lord Jesus, that hearing your word, they might not merely believe the one teaching it or preaching it, but that they might believe the one whose word it is, even God's word, and look to Jesus today and be saved. For those that have been resting in the Lord Jesus, maybe for many decades, we ask that you would cause that faith only to increase, and all the more as they see the day of the Lord approaching, so that in young and old, men and women, wise and unwise, all might rejoice in God their Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.